0: ladies and gentlemen, it is The Baggies Broadcast, it's Season 3, Episode 26. My name is Luke Hatfield and we are in for a right special episode today. Not only are you getting our regular West Brom correspondent, Mr Joe Massey, but we've got a very special guest appearance from former Express and Star West Brom correspondent, Mr Matt Wilson. Matt, how the devil are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you Luke. How are you two?
0: I'm not, I'm not bad at all.
1: I'm
2: good mate, I'm very, very, very glad to have you on, it's um, been a long time since we caught up, we think we've just been discussing this haven't we, we sat next to each other for four years, is that right?
1: I think it was about four years yeah, you were, you were on Warsaw and I was on West Brom um, I miss you pal, I mean in
2: one way I am glad you left because I think if um, I was still covering Warsaw, we'd be getting absolutely mental but um, I do miss seeing your face every day so I'm very glad to have you on, I think we're going to have lots of interesting
1: things to talk about yeah, let's so. hope so. Although I, I, there is a small child trying to get into the room at the moment. <laughs> the joys of lockdown with, with children. It's uh, funny
2: you should say that because I think I've just heard a very faint little knock on the door of the room I'm in as well. So this could turn into like um, an episode that sounds like it's been recorded at a soft place, isn't it?
1: Well, I've I've piled some pillows up against the uh, the door, so um, the, yeah, my three-year-old can't get in at the moment. Barrage them out, mate. Barrage <laughs> them out. <laughs>
0: I tell you what, I don't envy you guys. With, I mean, it, it must be wonderful having kids, but during lockdown, I must, I must admit, it must be absolutely manic for both of you.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> both I said mean, with a sort of sigh. Yeah, it's it's it has its up, it has it has its high points and its low points. Uh, I think, but I think I think a lot of I speak for a lot of parents when I say, you know. We do also recognise that those people that are on their own have probably got it really, really tough. Um, I just wish there was some way that the, the parents who are working full time, like both me and my partner are um, with children, could somehow fob their kids off on the people who are alone for just for two hours a day or one oh, hour a day. I think idea. that would be ideal. I mean, obviously that, you can't do that because of the virus, but that would be the, the, the perfect solution, I think, to everybody's uh, you know, different challenges in lockdown. Because yeah, I'm I'm going to stir crazy. The kids are going to stir crazy, and I'm sure it's the same in your household, Joe.
2: Ah oh, yes, I mean that, that, I think i got quite lucky really because my little girl she's not three yet, so she was she was finding it tough. But she sort of I think she's become a little bit institutionalised now. To be honest, she's just got a little bit used to it. But it's just it is relentless for kids. I mean, it's so different as if everyone's having such different different experiences in this lockdown. I imagine it is really hard on your own um, as well. But then. Yeah, kids. I mean, you never bored with kids, are you running around? But it is, it is tough trying to keep them entertained all day, especially when you work, and it is difficult.
0: It's amazing, really, um, Matt. I mean, it must be strange for you. I've been featured on this podcast so much. Do you still tune in um, to the old Baggies broadcast, even though you're, you, I say, just a fan now?
1: I do. Yeah, I do. Um, I, so, you know, funnily enough, you know, you know that um, uh, that challenge that was doing the rounds. The other day? I don't know if you saw it about. Um, Donate five pounds to charity, run five k, and um, then nominate five people to do it as well. When mm. I when I did that, I stuck on your podcast. Um, I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get I'll get stuck into um, the latest episode of Baggies Broadcast um, on this five k. It's going to be really good. And I wasn't actually very fast, but by the time I'd finished the five k, you hadn't even finished the preamble. <laughs> so I hadn't even got to the football, so the preamble. Uh, I've noticed the preamble's got a bit longer since I've left, but uh, look, that's 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 good. I, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I still I still I still do tune in, and obviously um, missing Joe and yourself a lot. So uh, yeah, I'm still a fan.
0: I'll tell you, what, you must have nailed that 5k.
1: No, I was really slow actually. I thought I'd done quite well. I did it in about 28 minutes, and then I looked at everybody else who had sort of my pals who had done it, and they'd all beaten me. So. Uh, yeah, it wasn't great.
0: Oh, I saw a time from uh, former Albion winger James McLean the other day. It was absolutely revolting. He, he was doing kilometres in like three minutes or something stupid. Yeah, I saw that as well. It just made me feel upset. Um, how is life as 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 a fan now, Matt? Because it must be it must be such a strange experience for you going from reporting on the club on a day to day basis uh, to being to being a, a fan.
1: Well, now it's. Pretty bizarre because there's no football, so um, I've forgotten what it feels like to be a fan, to be honest. Um, How long has it been since the last game, Joe? Six about six weeks now, isn't it? Is that right? Six weeks? I'm losing track of
2: time, mate. Every day feels like feels like a
1: lifetime ago, doesn't it? Um, And it was great. Obviously, the season that that's the way the season has panned out. There was a tinge of regret that I thought maybe I left at the wrong time. (laughs) but obviously, you know, when you get to go, um, I think one of the games I went to as a fan um, was when they beat Swansea five-one at the Hawthorns, and that was just fantastic. I mean, obviously, it's great to report on those games, um, as Joe will tell you, but um, it, it is it is even better to, <laughs> to go as a fan and not have to do all the work afterwards, and just en- and, and just enjoy it and savour it and and sort of um, you know relish in in Mateus Pereira rather than. Think about how you're going to come up with the, um, you know, the right words to describe what you're seeing. So, um, yeah, I've, I've thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed the season. I'm just um, it's just a bit odd at the moment. because I don't really feel like a football fan at the moment because there there is no football.
0: Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? Do you, are there any certain aspects of, of the journalism life that you that you would uh, point out as missing at the moment?
1: Um, yeah, I, I suppose I do miss the the, the cut and thrust of. Um but I miss being I miss being involved in football because when 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 it was when they were still playing, you know, it is everyone's well, majority of people listen to this, it will be your main hobby, I would imagine. And it's my main hobby. Um I play it two or three times a week. I watch it as often as I'm allowed um by the missus. And you know, it's it it is great to have your job as your hobby. It, but that has its upsides and its downsides you know sometimes um you can't compartmentalize your life a little bit um but other times you you thoroughly you're so passionate about what you're doing that it doesn't sometimes there are there are occasions where it just doesn't feel like you're doing a job at all you you just feel like you're doing your hobby um so yeah there there are there are elements that i miss but also elements that i don't miss um because it is a very demanding job as as i'm sure joe and and well and you as well luke know um but um yeah it's it's it, it's it's allowed what it has done is it has allowed me to i suppose spend a bit more time with children which is uh which is always good
0: mm, me and joe we discussed this didn't we when you initially kind of took over from matt that a job like this you know you everyone sees the perks of it they see you at games they see you talking to players and doing interviews but I mean if you're going to do this job for an extended period of time it, it, it drains on you doesn't it?
2: Yeah it does but whenever look it does it does um, but at the, the bottom line is you've always got to, the way I always look at it is you've got to be I've got to be incredibly grateful to do to do what I do I mean Every, look, I'm a football journalist at the end of the day. I think the vast majority of lads in their life at some time, they've either dreamed of being a footballer, and if that dream hasn't come off, a lot of them have dreamed of being a football journalist. So, my base point is always that I feel incredibly, incredibly fortunate to be able to do it. I've loved doing it. I mean, I absolutely, everyone knows I'm absolutely loving covering Albion, but I love covering Shrewsbury the year I covered them, and I had four or five years covering Walsall, and I absolutely loved that as well. So, but look, I mean, I, I mean, I completely understand where Wilson's coming from, completely, completely understand it. That, I mean, I when he said he got to watch that Swansea game, uh, got to see that Mateus Pereira performance without having to do the work afterwards, I mean, that is just a dream, let's be honest. I mean, there is... We've spoken about it on the podcast before, there is an awful lot of work um, uh, afterwards, but often, the, for me... Nine times out of ten goes into a Sunday and I never get that time back. It's Effectively, I work six days a week, every single week. Um, but but, but the,
1: other, the, other, the other side of the coin is that for the first, I would say, four or five months, I was watching games thinking, I'd love to write about this. I would love to do that. And that um, think piece, You know, I, I, I'd love to write the analysis of this game because you could just have so much fun with it because they're playing such exciting and energetic football and to be brutally honest it it was the sort of football that I never really got to cover when I was at, at Al you know I I yeah. when, when I started Tony Pulis was in charge and and whilst that was functional and and quite effective at times it was never really as exhilarating as it has been this season um that it had its moments certainly um then we obviously um had the nightmare of of Alan Pardew um and even in the Darren Moore era which had it, it was a, it was a strange season because there were some fantastically fantastic games you know like the 7-1 against QPR and, and some other games where they just scored scored goals for fun but it never really felt like the team was as complete as it as it was this season um and it you couldn't be as effusive in your praise of them as you probably could be this season because because there was all that, always that nagging feeling at the back of your mind that it wasn't quite the finished article and it wasn't quite the best that that, 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 that team could be. So yeah, I, I must admit, although there is a lot of work and, and I loved watching that Pereira performance, I did also come away from the Hawthorns that day. And, and granted, it was you know it's 5pm or 5.30pm, so I got to get home and, and have dinner with the family, which was great. But I was thinking, I oh, wish I was writing about that. I wish I was writing about what a performance that was. Because it was fantastic. I imagine wish we, wish we could do did... it together, Wilson. I really do. <laughs> but we are now.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. But wouldn't it be ace if we if we had two reporters on them? Oh, I think it'd be fantastic. I going one day, <laughs> mate, one day. I
0: imagine you just kind of when you're watching a game, Matt, you can almost digest it differently. You can almost just live in the moment, you know, when a goal goes in, you can you can just embrace that moment. Whereas as you know, you all have known, having been on both sides of the coin. When a goal goes in, there are, there is an occasion where you can almost you can celebrate a little bit, but then you've got to analyse it straight away. You've got to offer a description of that goal. It must it must be a strange way or a different way of digesting the game entirely.
1: I think I watch the game differently now, though. Um, I'm more analytical. So I went to the Blues game as well at home, and um, I was I wasn't as um, one-eyed I suppose as, as I would have been before I did the job so before the, before you do the job all you care about is your team winning you don't care about anything else um, but after working in football you start you, you start to realise it because you know Joe, Joe has covered other clubs I, I didn't actually cover um, other clubs so I was at the Express and the Star but you do bits and pieces you know you pick up um, you know, for example, I interviewed Nuno, um, the Wolves manager, and I went to some Villa uh, press conferences, and you know, you do the, you do the odd bits and pieces about about other teams, and you start to. It does dull that um, that. So not not the fervour, because you're still passionate about it, but I suppose it dulls that sort of one-eyedness that fans, um, or certainly that I used to have. So when I was watching the Blues game, and I've got friends who who support blues and and whatnot you, you start to look at it as more of a holistic view and you say oh you know so and so the right back for blues is playing well or or you know um Darro having a good game or whatever it is um so I was more analytical um in, in in the way I watched the games since I since I stopped the job which is a different way but i I still you know celebrate the goals but it's just a slightly slightly different way of, of, of watching it than I used to when I was a fan
0: I can tell you haven't lost the bug entirely, Matt. As well, um, you know, now and then I see a tweet from your account, and it and it it does some uh, it gets some likes and gets some retweets.
1: Yeah, so it's it's really hard to to stop, I suppose, conversing and um, because it was my life for four years, and you do want to be part of that um, discussion. You know, there's nothing nothing I like more than being in the pub with my mates discussing what's going on in the football and um i suppose on sometimes on social media that that sort of replicates that and if you see something that you don't think other people have seen or or you see something that you think is is funny um particularly or interesting then i I do i do still have that desire but i'm also very conscious i don't really you know it's not really my place and i don't don't really want to step on on joe's shoes too much because you know he's, he's done a fantastic job all season really of of keeping me informed as well on, on everything oh, that's going geez, on and I also that. i also i think his analysis has been great as well you know it's 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 always enjoyable to read what, what he thinks of the game and very rarely do i disagree actually <laughs> <laughs> oh, high praise high praise. even I'm though we used to always disagree uh, uh, at the desk especially when it came to england i suppose oh, that's true yeah that's true Yeah, had some heated debates
0: so um, it's, it's an interesting one. I mean, Matt, what have you what have you made of the season so far? Because obviously, you know, you've kind of touched on it there, but Billich Ball, in comparison to football that we saw last season, even though as you said, it was exciting and it had its moments, and you had Dwight Gale and J Rod and, and all the goals going in. I mean, it just it does just seem like a more complete Albion side, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's it, isn't it? I think you you guys have spoken about this quite at length all season they are a complete team and, and, and some of the stars of this team are you know there are some unsung heroes in there I would say um, Jake Livermore has been fantastic it's been amazing to see his transformation from you know the, the from the relegation season that I covered when he was one of those players involved in the taxi scandal in Barcelona to see to see what he's um sort of and through his own hard work it has to be said what he's now become which is a, a, a well, captain fan fantastic, isn't it? That's what everyone calls him. And he's been he's been brilliant all season. Really, really been a huge leader. I don't think he can be underestimated. But also the likes of Shemia Jay, um even Carl Bartley, um Sam Johnson has been great at times. Um but it's been what's been great as a fan to see has been you know those those players that have come through, like like Dara O'Shea, and at the start of the season Nathan Ferguson. You know that I always used to say that that sort of thing connects you to your club. Now modern football is modern football, so obviously you're gonna you're gonna end up with the uh, the transfer sagas uh, that 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 Nathan Ferguson's performances bring. And, and I don't know the ins and outs of what what the latest is on that, but I followed what Joe's been reporting on, um, you know, with interest um but but I think having those those sort of youngsters come through and even Carl edwards has has, has, has made a big has made it an an impact at times this season is is that's what connects you to your club that's that's quite that's really important um mm. and if you have a mixture of that and also a manager who feels connected to the fans as billlich does um some stars that feel connected to the fans like Pereira and Kravinovich who um you know do seem to genuinely embrace being um in the West Midlands and being at, at West Brom um and then on top of that you've you've got I think you've got a, a board who have perhaps maybe um repaired some some faith with with the fans I mean Joe you probably know better than I do um, but that's that seems to be my impression this year. You've got Luke Dowling, who's come out and said um, some things which I think he's, he's he's won a few people over, I would say, as technical director, particularly based on his performance in the transfer market. Um, but also Mark Jenkins, you know, his decision to um, to forego, what, 100% of his wages, was it, during the coronavirus crisis? I mean, you know, that, that I think... It's all. It all seems to be quite positive at Albion, I and mean, I, 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 like I say, I'm, I'm not in it as much as I was. So, but that's from the outside. That that's how it seems.
2: Yeah, I think on the board, I find it all quite really interesting. Really, you got because, in a way, I I think it is quite a bonus to be able to look at everything with fresh eyes. And and obviously, I came in with my like ideas about Albion, but it wasn't. I didn't have a vast vast knowledge about the club. I certainly didn't um, know people at the club. So always had this sort of family, sort of family-friendly club, and who, who always sort of do their bit for the community, and just I don't know, really, just uh, just a good, just a good family club. That's the only way I can say it, really. But then there is this sort of history with like Mark Jenkins and maybe maybe Luke Dowling to a point. Um, but I mean, you dealt with them, you've dealt with them even more than I have. But everyone I've met at Albion, it just backs that up. What a good. I mean, I've got I've said it multiple times on this podcast, but everyone I've met has just been absolutely first class, and they couldn't. None of them could have been better better with me. Um, Mark Jenkins, I know, I know he's had his issues in the past. Look, there's that link to Jeremy Peace, which he's always going to have. Um, I think I, from what we hear, he's quite a different character second time around at the club to what he was first time around. But he's always been absolutely fantastic I me, and I think the 100 percent salary thing was just. He didn't He just didn't have to do it. I think it was an absolutely fantastic gesture um just at a time when football was really the p r of football was really low in terms of the coronavirus outbreak. it felt like nobody was doing anything and he stepped forward and sacrificed hundred percent of his salary for for as long as lockdown will last which let's be honest, it could be a very very long time um in some way shape or form um, and luke Dowlin um, i think he's he, the technical directors are in a very, very difficult job. They're, I mean, it's almost like we were talking about being. A, everyone dreams of being a football journalist. I think everyone in the heart of hearts probably thinks they could be a technical director and thinks they could be chief scout and go out and sign in these players and this, that and the other. I think it's a job that will come with a lot of people scrutinising it and a lot of maybe a lot of jealousy, if that's fair to say. Um, but I think, again, my dealings with him has been first class, really. And his signings speak for themselves, don't they? I mean... They're absolute bargains. Um and Albion or a club are gonna to have to go with that model. That's what's been made very clear to me. They they want to they're not gonna be splashing the cash. I mean you can tell me more about how how bad their finances got when Jenkins wasn't there, but they they wanna be shrewd, they want to spend their money wisely, they want to look for these gems like Shami Jai. And I mean one point five million for Shamir Jai is just absolutely ridiculous. Um Darnell Furlong, absolute snip, Romaine Sawyers, absolute snip. And then combine that sort of scouting with Bilic's nous um, and just global football knowledge, which I've got to admit is just so striking. I mean, every every time we speak to him at a press conference, he mentions something to do with the French League or something to do with the Bundesliga or something to do with what's going on in Syria. I mean, his his overall football knowledge is just amazing. Um, and that's why they've been able to pick up players like Pereira and Kravinovic. So I think... Lou Dowling, together with Slav Bilic, is just a dream team in terms of recruitment. Um, and Bilic's attitude, like you said, he connects with the fans because he's he's got a lot of the, the values and morals that are like synonymous with Albion. So I think this season, everything's just come together for them.
0: Mm. Obviously, they're in a great position now. Um, and Matt, you, you did cover the club to begin the season. Obviously, you were at some of the games before you decided to move on. Was there a point then or was there a point after where you thought Right this team are, are the real deal now
1: um I think I think i'm trying to remember it seems like so long ago because we've lived about three different lives since then because i've started a new job, but also we've now we're now in you know these crazy times of coronavirus, so mm. it feels like, i mean even though it was only what was it eight or nine months ago, it feels like a lifetime ago um I think there was a you could see that something was flourishing um, you could see that something was beginning um, and it was mainly for me it was mainly that they got the midfield sorted out cause they never really got that sorted out last season mm. um, they got that Sawyers Livermore partnership that axis was seeming to work quite well quite early on um, and for me that that was that was crucial um, so that was I suppose that you know you thought okay they there they could be there could be a successful season here and um, but you know, it's not until um, I suppose it's not until you you really deliver it that you think it's going to happen. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I, it's 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 hard to put your finger on really because they are they. I mean, obviously they've got some stars in there, but it's not like last season when it was. It felt like the stars were carrying them mm. because it doesn't necessarily feel like Pereira, Diangana, um you know, and others are carrying them, and whether that's because they're not strikers, I don't know. But I think it's just because they feel like a more cohesive unit, and there aren't, although there are errors, and there always will be errors, there aren't as many errors as I suppose as that you could put down to um, tactics, formation. And I think Bilic and and Joe's touched on it loads. Billich has got the golden touch, hasn't he? Uh, mm. And when it comes to things like it's just been it's been ridiculous at times this season where he's made a change and and it's 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 paid off it was becoming a bit of a joke I thought it was like six games in a row he'd make a change and the substitute would score Um, yeah I mean that so so I think that that won him round to the fans really early on on top of the great um, on top of the sort of charisma that he possesses I mean he's the perfect I suppose antidote to um, what what Pulis was perceived to be which and and you know obviously we've we've gone through a few iterations between that but that i i always felt like the fan base and the club never really jumped out of that shadow because the Pardew reign was an absolute disaster and the darren moore one was just hard to put your finger on it it always it almost it was difficult to to judge really um it, it, it never really felt like he got going if that makes sense mm. so um yeah it does feel like that that shadow looms large but it it it's completely gone now I would say you know this is a completely different different team and 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 going back to what what Joe was saying, I think you know credit to to Dowling and perhaps Jenkins as well for knowing what sort of character the club needed um at that time because it's not all about i mean obviously it's all it is all about results, but there are certain things that help bring those results and um you know different clubs need different things at different times. And I think they, they they got it spot on really with Bilic. Um and it's just it's just a shame that this whole thing's happened now to sort of and let's hope it doesn't doesn't you know derail any any good movement or good momentum that the club had. But I I don't think it has. But um, we we've got no idea what's going to happen next, do we? I mean, I'm sure Joe Joe knows better than me. But I, it, whether the season's going to even finish is is up in the air, isn't it? So.
0: Yeah, that's what I was kind of going to move this conversation on to because the current situation, it, its there's still so many questions about it. From your position, Matt, as a, as a fan, I mean, I've posed this to other fans previously, you know, games behind closed doors means that, you know, you can't sit there and obviously watch the game live from the Hawthorns. Would it leave a bit of a sour taste if, say, Albion were to, to go on and steal promotion, maybe even, you know, claim the championship title, but... To do it in front of an empty ground?
1: It's not ideal is it? Um, I don't know but if the flip side is that you don't get to finish the season and you have to restart all over again I think it's the it's the best of a bad bunch isn't it I mean Mm. obviously you want to be there to celebrate when if if your team wins promotion but I think most Albion fans would say okay well let's just get the season finished any way we can and we can have the party another time you know you can always put on a an open top parade or you can always have a have a have an event at the hawthorns or something like that i don't know um down the line if if that's how it goes um mm. you know it's it. i suppose at the moment sport just it's just second fiddle isn't it that's the thing it's it's not it's not the forefront of most people's minds so um i don't know i i I wouldn't like it to be that way. I'd, I, in my opinion, what they should do, and I know there are loads of issues to do with contracts and um, image, um, well, and rights, TV rights, and all that sort of thing. But the way that I would do it is, when football is ready to return, finish the season then, and if that's in November, if that's next May, do it then, and then start the next season when it's right to start. That's how I would do it personally, but. Um, I know that I know there are so many contractual issues that um, might mean that that's not possible.
0: Mm. And of course, one of the other suggestions being, you know, floated around is is the potential to just simply promote West Brom and Leeds.
1: Well, oh that, yeah, that'll do. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs>
0: I mean, I was gonna I was gonna say a lot of fans would probably take that. Whether Albion would want it to finish that way though is is another matter entirely, isn't it?
1: Well, I mean, what because they might think that. It, it, it doesn't count because it's it's sort of yeah. a, it's got an asterisk by it.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: I don't know, Joe. Is there has there been any sort of murmurs at the club about that sort of thing? I would think they'd take promotion, wouldn't they? They
2: would definitely take promotion. I don't. I don't think that's an. It's hard to know, isn't it? What actual options are on the table at these meetings? But I don't see how that is a sort of a genuine option. To be honest, I mean, I think you look at if you look at the other, other reporters in the, in the championship, the vast majority of them have done stories on how there would be a legal challenge from their clubs, Nottingham Forest, Preston, Fulham. They're all going to challenge that. Um, to me, that's the most... I've said it before on this podcast. I think that's the most unfair way um, of resolving the season. Um, and and I, I am repeating myself, but and and I've said it, but... I, there's nothing I want more than Albion to win promotion, and I genuinely, genuinely, hand on heart, believe they absolutely deserve to. Um, but as I've said before, they went on a massive, I've even forgotten the number now, I think it was a six game winless run from December through to January. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, as fantastic as this team has been this season, and it has been absolutely fantastic, they are capable um, of an extended winless run. And if they were to do it again, Fulham would very much fancy their chance to catch in them. So I just, I just don't see how you can do that, to be honest. I don't, I don't see how you can make a 22-team Premier League. I don't see how you can promote Albion and Leeds. Um, just the two of them. I, I find it um, a bit of a bizarre suggestion, really. Um, I really, really don't think that'll happen. I think there's, mm. um, I think there's quite a, a lot of options, that, well, plenty more options than that, um, to get football back.
0: It's interesting, isn't it, just because it's so up in the air. Um, let's talk about some of the news regarding Albion then of late, um, which we may not have covered in the last podcast. Um, one man that we saw linked with the club, uh, Vida, the central defender. I'm not going to even have a pop-up pronouncing his first name. Um, I mean, it's, Bilic has been quoted as saying, you know, scouting is, is one of the things that you can still do. Is he the type of player you think Joe that you know would suit Albion
2: absolutely um, I don't know what Wilson thinks I think he's sort of everyone can sort of remember him from the World Cup can't they in 2018 he sort of shot to prominence and I think he played at centre back and right wing back for Croatia I've got a feeling he did a really good job um, against England but I think centre back is one of the areas everyone's in agreement um, Albion would have to strengthen isn't it if um if they did go up in the summer mm. um, Ajay Jai's obviously been brilliant Carl Bartley has done very very well um, I think the jury's potentially out on Amadagazi for me um, I'm not sure if his long term future's at the Hawthorns um, Daro Shea's obviously been done so well since stepping in at right back but still very young so I think centre back would be maybe top top of the, that and the striker is top of the list really um, if and when promotion is secured And he would be a fantastic addition. I mean, he—he was. I think he is thirty. I think the price was in the region of eight point five million pounds. He won about fifty grand a week. The stories. um, I can't remember if they came out of Germany or Turkey now, but that was that was suggesting. But versatile, looks a top performer. Obviously, Croatian. um, You got the Croatian link. So I think he'd be a, a really, really good addition. I mean, what we do know is that football's really. Um, going into the unknown. I know that Albion have got two lists of transfer targets, essentially. They've got a list of players if they do make it to the Premier League, and they've got a list of players if they happen to be in the Championship again next season. Um, the time they've got on their hands is allowing them to um, ex- it scout more extensively players abroad. It's sort of what happened with Orsich in January. They they had clips of him um, on a programme called Why Scout? Um, obviously, mm. Bullich knows him from... Has been aware of him for, for, for a number of years, but they did a lot of their scout. They watched a lot of his recent games on a program called Wise Scout, but they weren't overly happy with the amount they could watch him on that system. Um, so I think now, if they've got any foreign targets, that's what they're doing. They're, they're looking at those players to try and really assess as best you can about seeing them in person if they should move for them um, whenever they can. But um, yeah, so that's a, But the truth is, and No one knows the answer to this in a minute. this is what we need to get down to the nitty-gritty with. I actually asked Albion yesterday um, to have an an interview with Mark Jenkins about football finances um, long-term after the coronavirus outbreak. And it's something he's eager to do. But we all... Basically, even he needs to understand it. I mean, Mark Jenkins is an absolute whiz with numbers. There's no doubt about that. But no one's quite sure exactly what the landscape is going to be after all this. There's a a lot of talk that... um, Transfer fees are going to be much reduced. There's a lot of talk that agent fees are going to be significantly reduced. Um, wages might come down. It, it feels like this is a financial wake-up call for football. Um, especially when you, you look at the model they operate in. I mean, it is remarkable. They've basically got no income um, at the minute. Um, they, so, from it's, it's a huge turnaround that's, that's, that's happened to them. So. All that needs to become aware. So that's what I've been told in terms of transfers of Albion is that everything is... Of course they're working. Absolutely, of course they're working. Of course they're looking at these players. Of course they're using this time to be as productive as they possibly can. But first and foremost, Albion need to know what division they're in next season. And secondly, they need to know what the financial landscape and the whole of football is going to be. Um, And as we record this today, genuinely nobody knows what that's going to be like. Um, So it's going to be very very interesting to see how things progress i mean you look at like transfers that have happened in the past like january for example like west ham signed jared bowen for was it 16 18 million something like that mm. um, i mean i think hull fans were really like they were disappointed to see him leave but in like history may show that they got a heck of a lot of money for jared bowen um because i think there is a chance that transfer fees could come down quite significantly um over the next year or so, so there's a there, we're all in the dark. So there's going to be a lot to learn over the next couple of months, and it's going to be it is going to be absolutely fascinating to see how things develop.
0: Yeah, it is, and you, you made a point early in in there, Joe, about Hagazi that you know the jury's kind of been out on in this season, and you know the likes of Bartley and Ajay have really stepped up. It was interesting because you know last season and you know the season before that, he really did impress. And Matt will have known this. having covered the club during those times. You, it's a strange one with Higazi, isn't it? Because he's he's gone from this you know, you know, giant centre back who was you know one of the first names on the team sheet at one point now to to playing a bit of a bit part.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I actually I know a lot of people. I know a lot of journalists that don't really rate him. A few a few people think he's a bit haphazard. I actually quite like Higazi. I think he's quite a good defender. Um, I, I don't have any problems with him playing for Albion in the Championship or the Premier League, personally. Um, he was one of the few players, I felt, that came out of the relegation season with credit. Um, but then, again, you know that team did go down and shipped a lot of goals. So, you know, it, you know I'm not professing to be a, a defensive uh, genius, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, there are probably people with better understandings of the game than me. But I've I've always been a bit of a fan of his. To be honest, I quite like him.
0: Yeah, it's just it's just strange that he's he's just dropped off. and Obviously, injury hasn't helped, has it, Joe? I mean, he's kind of you know struggled to battle his way back in after after you know having having that injury. What was it over the summer that he he kind of got it sorted out?
2: Yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. He's he's had He's had a, a fair few, few niggles, hasn't he? Over the past sort of. Six to eight months um, that ankle surgery I think it was last summer wasn't it um, that mm. he underwent that operation so obviously that's hampered him and look Shemir Jai's made himself an absolute mainstay hasn't he um, um, and that the pace that he possesses is just absolutely crucial to Albion playing this high line so he's priceless really and I think Carl Bartley by and large has been fantastic he had maybe a little wobble um, for a couple of games where he did come out and a couple of high profile errors I think there was a penalty at Reading and he got a bit lucky with one against Nottingham Forest, scored a known goal in another game, I can't remember which one that was. But they, they all came in quick succession. But by and large I think Carl Bartley's been a really, really steady, solid um championship defender and a and a more than more than deserves his place on the side. Garcia it's a difficult one. I mean you you just you just wonder whether he's happy being third choice. Um mm. I think that's that's the question I always ask myself. He's he's been that he's been that sort of maybe that number one centre-back at Albion. He did do well in the Premier League um, in the years he was there. So you just look at him and think, is he... Is he? Footballers want to play every single week. Um, that's one of the things that's really struck me since since working in football, just how much they want to play. Um, is he going to be happy? To me, he's Albion's third-choice centre-back. Um, Ajay and Bartley, ahead of him on merit for me this season in terms of their performances. So you just wonder... His age, um, how much whether he's got one move in him, he probably has got one last move in him. How much he commands in terms of a salary, the fact that he isn't in that first choice centre back pairing. For me, I think I, I could see him move
1: on personally. I always uh, got the impression at the start of the season that Bilic was always planning to put him back in. He was his first, He was one of his first choice too. But then Bartley and Ajay just played so well together that he couldn't. Um, but in pre-season, he was always talking about Hagi as a first-team player. He was always talking about him as playing in, in the eleven, um, and I always felt like, oh, when Higgazi's back fit, he'll drop back in. Um, but yeah, those two just played so well together that that just made it impossible. And um, you know, you, you're right. Hagi went from sort of, you know, when 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 Albion went down, there was talk of Premier League clubs being interested in him. I think you mm. know, Leicester was sniffing around. Couple of others may have registered an interest, so you know he's gone from that to being third choice. And like you say, he, he's getting older. He that that that's probably what he's. he's it's not anything to do against Albion at, at all, I imagine. It's probably just he needs to make the most out of his career whilst he's got it.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to him. Um, elsewhere, I mean, brilliant work from Albion in terms of staying in touch with fans and their work in the community its it's been fantastic to see and Joe I know you did a video on this before but I'm going to quickly touch on it it's one of the most um, important things I think that clubs have been doing is speaking to fans especially those who may be vulnerable or a little bit lonely or those who are um, you know someone just having their birthday during lockdown I can't imagine what it's like I was i was fortunate not to not to, for me to be that case but it's great to see Albion maintaining that connection with the fans because it would be something that you can imagine a club could lose quite quickly during this kind of outbreak.
2: I mean, I think they've been... Uh, I mean, I look at the paper every day, I look at the stories to write, and I think they've absolutely smashed it um, during lockdown. I think they've been absolutely fantastic. Um, the video they put out last week... Did we mention it on last week's podcast? I can't remember now.
0: Uh, I remember you did a video discussing it, but I don't think we touched on it too much on the podcast, no.
2: I mean, the video they put out of um, the phone calls players are making and the reactions that fans give are absolutely... I mean, they're priceless, they're absolutely priceless. I spoke to one lady and uh, we've got one of those calls, 71, her name's Diane Benton, mm-hmm. she lives on her own. Um, I mean, she's an absolute character, actually. she probably listen to this podcast, but she's um, mm-hmm. she, she's she been an album for the last 30 years, I think, I might be right in saying this. She's She's sat... In a, she's a season ticket holder. She sat in her seat next to her ex-husband. That's when she sees him at the game. <laughs> um, absolutely mental, um, but a, absolutely brilliant lady. Um, and uh, yeah, she, uh, her grandkids live. One lives in, but a couple of them live in Birmingham. A couple of them live in down Surrey Way. Um, she's always out and about. She's got to stay in a house now for the foreseeable future. And um, she. Uh, yeah, she got a phone call from Jake Livermore and she went absolutely mad. Um, and she's one of the people on that video. Um, she was just screaming down the phone to Jake Livermore. Um, it was just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And it just shows just what it means. Um, and Albion have kind of been relentless um, in, their, in in the, in doing this, really. They're making phone calls every single day, um, whether it's current players, whether it's um, old legends. Um, they are... All these phone calls are going out constantly, constantly, constantly. They're inundated with requests for phone calls. They're trying to get to as many as they possibly can. Um, We've got so much going on. Um, Always have, like, a bit of a... Whenever I do this podcast, I feel like I always have to talk about the story I'm writing today for tomorrow. But we've got Chris Brunt is going out today, probably as we speak, on Tuesday, delivering Mm. food parcels. Um, And, uh, yeah, there's just... I mean, look, the maternity ward at the Hawthorns. We've said it all before, but what more could Albion have done um, in this crisis I, I genuinely don't think they, they could have um, done any more and I think every supporter is immensely proud of their efforts um, and every supporter who gets one of those uh, phone calls is incredibly grateful
0: yeah I mean credit to them as a club because I mean to be fair there's been a lot of clubs doing a lot of great things especially in the local area as well um, but Albion really have you know gone above and beyond at points and Obviously it helps, you know, they've had a successful season so far and the the, the connection with the fans and village is, is so easy to see. Um, but as I said before, you know, when a club goes through and when, you know, all the clubs in the country are going through this extended kind of suspension, it'd be very easy for them to kind of Look into themselves and say, you know, we've got to sort ourselves out. We've got to worry about this and that. But they're they're actively going out and you know discuss and and finding ways to connect with the community and their fan base still, which is just vitally important.
2: Yeah, they've been like I said, they, I can't say it. I can't. They've just been absolutely amazing. It's it's, it's 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 new things every day. It really is. I mean, we've had another story, and uh, I mean, this isn't Albin per se, but Andy Johnson, um, former midfielder, employed by the club still, he does. Um, co-coms on a match day um hmm. i mean everyone knows him for his hair it is it is an iconic barnet there is no two ways i wish i had hair. his hair oh me too mate me too um but he is going to shave that off if he can raise ten thousand pounds for the nhs and let me tell you he is stubborn he will not do it if he raises nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine pounds um <laughs> so he's trying to raise ten i mean that's just and it's just another it's just another thing that Technically, that is Andy Johnson. It's not Albion directly, but it's all part mm. of the Albion family, and they're all they're all doing wonderful, wonderful work while football suspended. And more stories to come. I've got one story which I can't go into unfortunately, but that that involves Bilic and a lot of the players. But will will come out hopefully in the next couple of weeks. That is absolutely remarkable how they have helped one fan. Um, I know it's a bit of a tease, and I can't go into it now. But I promise you, it'll be worth it, and it is. Remarkable! It is absolutely remarkable.
0: You do love dangling a carrot, I don't you? Love dangling Jane? a carrot.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep people coming back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing you touched on earlier as well, finances, um, and obviously the way that you know the club have handled that. Uh, interesting to see that. You know, we're just on a side note. I'm just, Alan Pardew turning down a potential relegation avoidance bonus. At, at Ado Den Haag. I'm amazed that he's technically avoided two relegations now.
1: Oh yeah. yeah, Alan Pardew. That that was enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's just it's just really interesting. Sounds to me. I mean that run. I mean Joe, you were at times that run when 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 was kind of he was almost he was a bit of a dead man walking, wasn't he, Matt? In terms of the, the club didn't really want to get rid of him, but you know he kept on losing games, and eventually they eventually pulled the trigger. Um, but I tell you what, some of that was poor, wasn't it?
1: I, I don't. Well, I've, I've not. Witnessed anything like it before? Dead Man Walking is um, doing it disservice. Was it nine games in a row he lost? It <laughs> was, it was, yeah, ridiculous times. And and the thing is, I suppose as a fan, you've always got to think, well, it will get better, and it, it inevitably does. There are there are ups and downs to following a, to following a team. That was just one of the one of the biggest downs that I think many people have uh, uh, have ever experienced, really.
0: Yeah, some interesting podcast recordings during that stint. <laughs> yeah,
1: there were. I can't. Remember. Yeah, I, I think I think I've repressed that from my mem- my memory that 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 period. It was so bizarre. Every weekend we thought he was going to get the bullet, and every weekend he didn't.
0: <laughs> Amazing, wasn't it? Shall we get on to some questions now from the listeners before um before before we uh we we end up running out of stuff to talk about? Um, first one, Leo Watkins. Uh, hi, Matt. Hope you're doing well. What's it been like to watch the changes over the last year?
1: Oh, it's been great as a fan, I think. I think we touched on it earlier. He's you know, obviously I'd, I was I was there in the summer, so I covered, you know, I covered all the um the transfers. So I I thought watching Pereira tear the championship apart is even more enjoyable because I know how long that saga was went on for and how you know, sort of some of the um, the brinkmanship in, the, in in the transfer negotiations between Mark Jenkins and Sporting Lisbon, and, and you know the the different clauses that they put in and, and, and didn't put in and wanted to put in and all that sort of thing. Um, so the fact that they got it over the line, um, sort of in the last week I think it was, or a couple of days before the deadline, um, makes it even better. Um, yeah, it's been it's been it's been great to watch, to be and um, as I said earlier, the only the only slight. Thing that nags at the back of my mind is uh, whether I should be actually be writing about it. But then again, then you wouldn't have Joe. And I've, I've, I, it seems like everyone's taken to Joe, as as I knew you would, because he's such a likable fella. So um, yeah, I think you've probably done all right out of it. Oh, cheers, pal. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Tom Cannon. This one's for both of you guys. How difficult is it to stay calm when an important goal goes in if you're covering the club? Has there been a time when any of you have celebrated a goal like a fan? and had to quickly sit back down again.
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, the the famous one for me um, was Jake Livermore's goal against Spurs in the Premier League when... Oh, the infamous tweet. Yeah, when which uh, had to be deleted, yeah. When um, Darren Moore kept kept winning games and Albion kept staying up by the skin of their teeth each week and they are 1-0 down to Spurs and Livermore scrambled the ball over the line in the 94th minute and... Oh, I think I went ballistic and 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 tweeted <laughs> tweeted an expletive word which had to then be deleted because it didn't um it didn't it didn't comply with company <laughs> rules but <laughs> I'm sure someone's got a screen grab of it somewhere but that was What, that did, you say? Anyone... what
2: did you say? You can say it on the podcast, come
0: on. I not, Yeah, you know what? Just say it, just say it.
1: I can't I think I just I think I just tweeted fuck like that. <laughs>
0: Something like that. I tell you what, it was mental though. It was absolutely <laughs> mental that day. Oh, anyone who
1: was there that day. I mean, and that—that's the thing, you know. That what was that? That was that was only a couple, few weeks after the Parju um, disaster. So, mm. it, it, you know, sometimes these these things—the highs and lows of football—which is, I think, what everyone's missing at the moment, isn't it? It's that it's that uncertainty. You, I mean, even, watching old games is just not the same, is it? It's it's not because it's that uncertainty of what you're about to. Of what you're about to see, and and that 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 will honestly stay with me uh, for a long time. I don't know if Joe has got any that can rival that.
2: Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, Luke Hatfield celebrates them all like he's lost his head. It's absolutely I'll ridiculous. Do me a Can't. I, my first thought is how do I calm him down really after Albion score because it's a little bit embarrassing to be honest. He goes absolutely mental. Um, I got. Up, I'm a bit more like. I'm sort of. Like, I'm a bit more. Um, Reserve now. It's a sort of a, like a little, like little, like fist clench um, celebration when uh, when Albion score. I'm always like, I, I kind of want to celebrate, but um, yeah, it's more a bit more reserved. I can't think of any let the the one where I couldn't like the one that I, was was probably Charlie Austin against Blues um, mm. was when I was just. It's not like it's not. Because of, of the role of the job, it's not like um, you jump out your seat celebration. It's more like open mouth, like dumbfounded almost. You're like, "Oh my god!"
0: I think I remember you making a noise that be more akin to the website Pornhub than than the Express and Start. There you go,
2: just a squelch. <laughs> <laughs> and because um, so much goes through your head at that point, like you like like you were saying earlier, like you've got to think, it is it is a massive "oh my god" moment. Um, but uh, like you uh, you want people I mean I want people to know I want people who aren't there um, to know what's happened in moments like that so then you immediately like hit Twitter I mean I go I try and go I mean I just I tweet whatever comes into my head basically I don't sort of hold back I mean people will know that like sometimes it's, it's like spelling mistakes and gibberish and it just comes out however which way it comes out but that is genuinely how I'm feeling at that time so that's just um, how excited I get really but Yeah, it's just, I try and like physically refrain, um, but just, um, yeah, just that that day in particular, I just couldn't, couldn't hold back really. And I think that's the first game I've been to where afterwards I just couldn't, I couldn't, I genuinely couldn't work. Like I've sat there thinking, right, I've got this to do, Wilson knows all the drill, I've got 800 words analysis to do, I've got player ratings to do, I've got back page stories to do this that, and the other. And I just sat there and I was just, I was so pumped. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't come down from the game. It was just the adrenaline from it was just absolutely mental. Um, and it took me hours just to, like always like get my breath and get back on it. But that's the one moment from the season that this season that, that has stood out for me so far anyway.
0: Mm. Richard Downing, uh, to both of you, what is the story you've most enjoyed writing? Can include an interview if, if, if that's one.
2: Oh. Um, so, it's
0: a good question that from Richard.
2: I'll do. Um, give Wilson a bit of time to think. So, mm. the story, the the story I've most enjoyed writing is when I interviewed Gareth Southgate, because um, mm. I got an, ex- basically because people people at Wilson actually got me Southgate as an exclusive, um, and I had absolutely loads of info that none of the national papers had, and. Like, I, look, I read that piece now and like, it's actually on my kitchen wall, you know, I've like f- framed it and stuff. And I read it now and I think, bloody hell, if you knew what it fits absolutely perfectly with, the, with what was about to come um, mm. in, the, in the World Cup. So I was like overjoyed with that. Like it really sort of, if you read it and then you, and then you know what happened in the World Cup, it all makes like perfect sense. And obviously my story was out months before. So I'm really, I'm really like proud of that one. And then, but the most, the story I will never forget, the interview I'll never ever forget, um, was with Tyson Fury, um, who, I don't know if I've, I'm i sure I've told you this story. I've told Wilson this story. Definitely told mm. Wilson this story when, when, when he used to sit next to me. But it was due to interview Tyson Fury. Um, he was in Wolverhampton bizarrely doing some fan thing and I was supposed to have like 15 minutes sat down with him um, just to talk about whatever was going on at the time, whatever fight he was going to promote and what this, that and the other. He was about three hours late, um, which really got my goat up because, do you know what I mean? If you're half an hour late, fair enough, but three hours is absolutely ridiculous when like,
0: mm-hmm.
2: when there was also like, I don't know, 100 people in another room who'd paid for dinner and were waiting to hear him speak that evening. He He, he walked into the room... And as he he walked into the room, and as he came in, he he lifted up his shirt and started slapping his belly, like, relentlessly. (laughs) Absolutely relentlessly. And was like, the Mac is back, the Mac is back, the Gypsy King is here, the Gypsy King is here, the Mac is back, boys, the Mac is back. All this, and I was just like... What is going on? There was me and there was two other reporters, right? And we, all, we were so something for fifteen minutes. And uh, so he walked in, He's slapping his tummy, shouting the maccas back. He was like, "Right lads, right lads, gather round, gather round, gather round." So he like got us into what I can only describe as like a, almost like a huddle, like like a a, a, a four man huddle, if you can picture that. Really, really <laughs> bizarre. But he was obviously like in like, the head of this huddle. And when you see Tyson Fury in real life, he is absolutely gigantic. Like, you can't, like, you can't imagine how big he is, really. It's completely... The, if you never see never him in the flesh, it's just, he's, he's a giant. Um, and then, so there's me and these two other lads just stood opposite him. And then he leant over us, like, towered over us into our faces and let out an almighty growl. He literally, <laughs> nose to nose, growled in my face. Sounds terrifying. <laughs> I mean I literally had absolutely no idea what to do. Um it was so, so bizarre. Um and then he was just like, right lads, ask me anything, ask me anything you want. I'm the Gypsy King, the Mac is back. And he kept saying, "I'm rolling, I'm rolling, lads, I'm rolling. Life is great, life is great. I'm back, I'm fit, I'm going to be everweight champion. I'm rolling, I'm rolling." But he couldn't answer any question. Every question we asked him, he was just, "I'm rolling, I'm rolling, I'm rolling." So about three minutes into our fifteen-minute interview, when he just went, "Do you know what, lads? I've just had a penis enlargement. It's fucking massive, and it's working." <laughs> So I was just stood there like I just don't know what to do here I was completely like dumbfounded by everything that had just happened The, the, the belly slapping had confused me The growl in my face had confused me The talk of a penis enlargement had, infu- had confused me I mean my, my questions were basically redundant I just didn't know what was going to come out of his mouth next And then he just threw his arms in the air and went right I'm done and walked off <sighs> So, my 15-minute interview was three minutes long. It was utterly bizarre from start to finish. And he left, and I didn't really know what to do. I was just completely confused. Um, so, I'd say that was actually probably the interview I enjoyed the least. Um, but it was certainly... It's, it was it was very, very memorable. The blokes are nuts. I'd love
0: to read that interview.
2: I had to write what happened, you see. Because I was supposed to do... We also we do big interviews every week in the paper... And like there were like one thousand two hundred, one thousand four hundred words. And obviously I had nowhere near enough words because he didn't make any sense when he did speak, and then after three minutes he just walked away. Um so I essentially had to write what happened, um, and that's what I did. Um and then also just I mean this is an Albion podcast, but then met Anthony Joshua and he was absolutely lovely. So now mm. big AJ fan, hope he knocks Fury out one day. <laughs>
0: Matt, any favourite? Well,
1: so mine is bizarrely probably quite similar to to Joe's Tyson Fury story because it involves someone who is very probably the best in their in their sport, um, and also it left me really really quite disturbed, and that was um, A. P. McCoy. So I interviewed A. P. McCoy, and it was in it was at a, an air ambulance event because he was a patron of it and he was, it was in the atrium of a hotel, so it was, and loads of um, fans kept coming up and asking him for for photos and and whatnot halfway through, and and he was obliging, and so it was always, we were always getting interrupted, and there were people sort of like sitting next to us trying to, you know, always trying to sort of muscle in and listen to what we were saying, but it was honestly one of the most enlightening and also disturbing interviews I've ever done in my life, and... I'm going to put it down to the fact that I asked all the right questions, but within about 10 or 15 minutes, he was talking about what it takes to be as great as he was, um, because he is the greatest jockey of all time, really, and Mm -hmm. what he put himself through, and he basically ended up telling me that he was, um, I always get this confused whether it's Sadistic or masoch- masochistic, whichever one, but he basically enjoyed inflicting pain on himself, and he now now that he's retired because he'd, he'd been about four or five years retired when I interviewed him, he 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 missed it. He missed inflicting pain on himself, and he, he didn't know really what to do with his life, and nothing bought him and as any joy or as much joy as um, putting himself through that through that pain and through that turmoil um and he, he opened up to a point where i i was kind of i was it was remarkable really um it felt like he, he wanted i mean he definitely wanted to say it otherwise he wouldn't have said it but it was almost like he wanted to get it off his chest i don't know whether he was bragging or, or what but it left me thoroughly disturbed and i possibly wrote yeah probably the interview that i'm most proud of um after that after that chat with uh with somebody who is undisputed you know undisputedly one of the one of the best um, performers in in his sport so i do think to get to the very 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 top of of whatever you do um, whether it's football when you're cristiano ronaldo or whether it's um, or messi or whether it's you know tyson fury whether it's A.P. McCoy, you have to be a bit not i don't want to say nuts but you have to be a bit odd and you have to have that sort of that desire to just be whether 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 you're a freak in the when the sense that fury is he's a freak of nature isn't he? he's like a whirlwind or whether mm. or whether you put yourself through that that barrier I don't know but it, it it yeah they're not normal people the people that get to the very 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 top uh, I don't think absolutely yeah.
0: amazing <laughs> um,
1: he writes Paul like
2: steamy novels now don't he? A P McCoy
1: does he does he yeah oh. yeah
2: I think so yeah. Honestly, sort of like it was it was the, it
1: was the craziest interview because I was expecting quite an anodyne ten minutes in a, in a hotel atrium. I will just get what I can and see if I can make something out of it. But he completely opened up and he was more than happy to. And um, you know, I'm I'm grateful to him for doing that. Um, but it was it was um, yeah, it was fantastic. And the fact is, you know, he was he would go and have a have a photo with someone and a, and a chat and, and, and a quick clink of a beer or whatever and then you come back to me and go, and go and say yeah right so I was talking about how I hate myself and I want to punish myself yeah I'll, I'll carry on along those lines it's like it's absolutely bizarre <laughs> it's great though
0: crazy um, next question comes from Paul Chappell how many friend of a friend said people ITKs do you get on a weekly basis in your DMs as journalists guys
2: oh I did a column on it once I want to um a lot um, a lot it, more obviously a lot more in January um, get I, can few, rem- I can remember doing um, when I covered Walsall I, I went through it once and uh, for a column at the end of the like, transfer window and uh, I had like, something like 30 messages from people saying that um, they, this player was definitely signing um, mm-hmm. and obviously never ever materialised they were just ones that were just completely like not true Um and it's obviously heightened of Albion because obviously the interest is so much greater. But not you have, you have a few. I've not got as many as I used to have. Also, um, but you do hear. It's, it's so that's the one of the hardest parts of the job because the truth is, ninety percent of it's rubbish. And when I say ninety percent, I do mean ninety percent. Like it is that high. But but, but the trouble is that ten percent of it is true somebody does know somebody who knows somebody else who mm.
0: um,
2: like I think um, like Lee Paltier for example some, like that got out on social media before there was any sort of sniff of Alvin signing him uh, in like before any sort of official sort of line of him signing him um, so yeah it's, it's, a, it's a really I, I do find that tricky but I say it all the time like the, the vast majority isn't true um but yeah, a lot but then, but then the some
1: is yeah, yeah, the same as Joe, i suppose you you've got to check everything out that you hear, even if it <laughs> even if it comes from a spurious source, but um it's it's because sometimes the the like you said the odd occasion, maybe ten fifteen twenty percent of the stuff there is an element of truth in it, and sometimes it's not the whole truth, sometimes it's a bit it's not always um. It's not always bang on the money sometimes you can see why they've come to that conclusion um and then sometimes it's bob on, so you do have to you do have to check them all out in in you know in whatever way you can um but yeah, I would say maybe I would say probably yeah, sixty seventy five percent of the ones that I checked out came to nothing in the end, but um some of them do though, and that it's quite it's quite funny when they do because you think. Oh, that, that was a stroke of luck. <laughs> that came that came across mm. my came across my path. But then normally it's because people they're just being they're just trying to be helpful. I think the majority of the time they just they just want to be helpful and they want to help you do a good job and, and get the message out there to the fans. That, yeah, know, that is true. Actually,
2: they do probably want to be helpful. Yeah, it's it's I probably get unnecessarily frustrated with it because you do have to check things out just in case. Um, so then when you do constantly hit like a dead end with it time and time and time again I do t- t- tend to get a bit frustrated and I do wonder why people say it if it isn't true um, I suppose just, there are people out there who do want to look in the know but like you said like I do think a lot of it the vast majority are doing it for good reasons aren't they and to help you, help us, help me um, but yeah I just do get occasionally frustrated when I get told no there's, there's nothing in that one
1: There's a big difference between sort of a, an in the know troll who pretends that they know what they're talking about to somebody who has heard something or a snippet or something, and has and just tipped you off, and 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 thinks they're being helpful or or, or is being helpful. Um, there's a big difference between that, and you can normally tell as well. So yeah, yeah, uh, true. You know, the majority of fans that just tip you the wink or, or say, "Look, I heard about this. I don't know if there's any any truth in it. Be want to check it out." You know, they, they, that's all. That all comes from a good place, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think.
2: Yeah, definitely, mm.
1: definitely.
0: We'll get a couple more in before wrapping up. Um, first one comes from Arjun Singh Johal. I remember seeing Matt a few times on the train to away days, even offering him a beer and a seat on the way to Spurs under Megson. Will we ever see Joe Massey mingling with the fans on a train journey to an away game?
2: I've been on the train multiple times.
0: Never bumped into an album fan? Yeah, I've fan? bumped into
2: loads of them. Um, yeah, I've done it more than once. I love getting the train, especially um, games to London. Um, Wilson, like I know, we talked about earlier. There's a lot of work after a game, so to get the train is an absolute bonus because um, you can just sit there and um, get tap, get get start, get cracking with you work. So I always try and get the train if I can. Um, we have got a little convoy. I go with a lot, to a lot of games with Joe Chapman from the Birmingham Mail, Steve Madeley from the Athletic, and you, of course, Mr Hatfield. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our McDonalds, don't we? But um, yeah, you know, I, I'm the one in the car, I know, who talks about the train more than anyone else.
0: Oh, you can't help it.
2: I always want to get a train I'm desperate to ditch you guys and get the train So, and when I have done it I've um, me and Steve mainly got on the train two weeks in a row to Charlton and uh, we're chatting to all hosts of Albin fans um, it was great I tweeted about it
1: and so, that beer oh. that beer was really nice though
2: so clear. if he does see me on the train I expect the seat and I expect the beer
0: <laughs> you want the same treatment as, uh, as Matt Wilson yeah I do definitely.
1: wasn't that an early kickoff as well Spur about <laughs> 10 in the morning I think <laughs>
0: I can't remember. I was—I don't think I covered that game.
1: I think it was um, a twelve o'clock kickoff at Wembley. I'm pretty sure. I can't—I can't remember if I had the beer or not. Probably didn't. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't have
0: blamed you for taking it, man. Don't worry. Um,
1: the other day, well, actually yesterday, because obviously me and the missus are trying to work from home whilst looking after children. I—I I went into the kitchen and my three-year-old had taken a—it wasn't a beer, but it was like a a, a spritzer with like a, an alcoholic spritzer out of the fridge. And I cracked it, and was about to drink it. Oh, flipping X. so I ended up having to have that about, I don't know what it was, eleven o'clock on a Monday morning, which was that, that lockdown life.
0: Hey, it's always nine o'clock somewhere, Matt. Don't worry. Um, Isaac WBA, what's the best Photoshop ju- football journalist combo you've received as a tweet reply? I suppose that counts to both of you, Matt. I assume you've got a fair few of them.
1: I don't understand the question. Sorry. What? What's the favorite? What's my favorite? So, word? I don't know Wouldn't when people you know when you're Photoshop tweeting in you the transfer window. Oh right. Oh yes and they put your head on a, on a goat or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I liked um yeah the goat the goat was funny. Um there's there, uh, there I think I think Odin Wingy raising his three fingers after scoring a hat trick against Wolves. That was one that was doing the rounds when I used to uh, be on the beat. That was a good one. Um I'm trying to think what else. Um can't remember now, but yeah, that that's mm. become quite a a trope, hasn't it, on football Twitter? They did a lot of a lot of journalists get that, I think.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, Joe Massey, you were getting it a lot over the summer, over over January, weren't you?
2: My favourite ones where "I'm carrying you on my shoulders," just because I think it sums up a whole coverage of West Brom,
0: whole professional Undone. life. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, one more from Dan Nash, uh, Matt. Did you always know that deep down, Luke, was apparently a baggy too?
1: Yeah, it was it was obvious from the get-go. Um, he used to come in, he used to come to games and, you know, the final whistle would go and he'd pretend to care what the Villa score was, but he didn't really care. And, you know, <laughs> oh, that pretend to did, care he, is embarrassing. You know, because like, they, they'd, they'd obviously just lost because, you know, they normally do. And he, he'd go, oh, that's a shame. You're thinking, that's your team, you should be a bit more annoyed about that. But he, he obviously did not, he was not bothered um, because Albion probably just won. So, yeah, it was always obvious from the get go. Um, and it's just nice to know that Joe's finally outed him um, for what he
0: is. I shouldn't have asked the question. <laughs> I saw it and I'm I, I thought trying to help I'll probably him come to peace
2: it. with who he is because he's struggling. He's a lost little soul now, Luke Hatfield. Um, it feels like everyone can see it by him, doesn't it? So it's not yeah. just me saying it now. I'm glad to hear that Wilson's back he's, me up. He's got just as much experience as I have. So
1: he's tortured, isn't he? You can see. Tortured He, does, he, does, he doesn't want to admit it. He does not want to admit it. But he's seen the light. He's seen the light.
2: He's more tortured on the podcast where he tries to cling on still. Like in real life, he's a lot more like like accepting of it. I think. Um, but he tries. He puts on this facade on the podcast just to a faint hope of clinging on to his past but well just to give that impression that he's still trying but really he's pretty much completed his journey I think he's very very close to the end
1: he's mm. just to impress Matt Mayer isn't it that, that's why he <laughs> pretends that's why he pretends he still likes Philip but he, you know we all know the truth
0: what a point to end on <laughs> Matt. it's been brilliant to have you back on the podcast mate it really has been enjoyable I hope everyone listening has enjoyed it too how did you find it
1: yeah very good thanks Um Fortunately. uh the, my little children did not break down the pillow fort that I've built up against the wall, so um, we didn't get any intruders. But um, thanks for letting me spend my lunch hour doing this. It was it was really fun and really enjoyable, and I can't wait to uh, well well to hear what you got to say when the football's back. Because let's just hope that it's back soon. I'm I'm missing it greatly, even more than I'm missing you two.
0: Oh mate, felt feel that deep down. I feel that deep down. <laughs> Um, but yeah that does it from us for another week Uh, from myself from Joe and from Matt Wilson uh, a fond farewell